Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. How do you mind, beggars? Thanks for being here and welcome to episode 142 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for being here this week and for tuning into the podcast. Now if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support the show, the best way of doing that is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you may listen to the show on. It really helps the show get found and helps people hopefully get off the sofa and on the saddle with a little bit of inspiration from the show and the guests we have on the podcast. So I would really appreciate it if you guys would do that and give us a rating and just let us be found a little bit more. We're planning to grow the show over the next six months and uh, we need your guys' help. You know, we need your help and people finding it and just getting the word out there. So if you would like to share with friends or whoever you think may be interested in the show, just simply share it on socials at MTP Tribe on Instagram and Facebook and get the word out that way. I appreciate all your help. Let's get on to today's show. Now in this week's show we are chatting with Mick Longhurst, the founder and owner of Dynamic Motivation and We Ride Mountain Bikes. Mick has been riding bikes since around 1989 and has competed in just about every discipline there is. But these days he is mostly dedicated to running top-notch trips, coaching junior development and riding in his hometown of Canberra, Australia. Now, after leaving his IT career, Mick decided he wanted to follow his passions and do something in the mountain bike field. He already had experience coaching in the outdoor adventure world and transferring those skills to two wheels was the obvious way to go. So Nick decided to set up Dynamic Motivation, a coaching and skills training centre to cater to the growing number of mountain bikers in his area. He attained the required coaching qualifications and many, many more. This guy is highly qualified and uh, he's never looked back since then. Mick now runs Dynamic Motivation with his wife and daughter full time, has won the 2019 Canberra Tourism Adventure Award and has been developing junior riders for over eight years. But as Mick says himself, he's really, really dedicated and focusing on junior development and getting junior riders on the bikes. Now, when we chat it... The COVID restrictions had just been lifted slightly for him and he got over a 100 junior kids wanting to come to his first weekend camp. That gave him about a week to get stuff organised. It's crazy. You know, he's really well known for junior development. He's got a lot of great coaches there. He's got different classes. He's got different levels of class, different age groups. He's got it all going on. Mike's got it well sussed there. You know, we all should be doing something like this, really, for youth coming up. And what Mick's doing is really paving the way for a lot of people to do something similar, get youth involved at an early age and see where it takes them. There's no pressure to be a racer at the end of the day, but you can see where it takes them and maybe gives them a better opportunity slightly later in life. So without further ado, let's get Mick on the show. Let's hear what he's got going on there in his hometown in Australia and welcome him to the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi Mick, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. How's things in Australia, my friend? Ah, pretty good out here. We're obviously like everywhere else in the world, we've been pretty locked down with the coronavirus stuff, but um, where we are in Canberra hasn't been too bad. Obviously we've been 
not allowed to do a lot, but we can still get out and ride. So that's been good. Mm-hmm. Cool. And it's no, I may be wrong in this. Is Canberra the capital of Australia? Yeah. So Canberra is the capital of Australia. It's kind of between Sydney and Melbourne and a little bit inland. Um, it was, you know, I think back in the day, Sydney and Melbourne both fought over who was going to be the capital and they decided they'd split the difference and build a city in the middle. <laughs> so it's kind of a, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting city. It's it, it was quite well planned, so it didn't like a lot of cities just evolve. It was actually quite well designed and well thought out from the beginning. So you know we've got good good road structures and stuff like that, and easy to get around. And it's it's very much a government town. So all the core governments here. So there's a fair bit of government work, and then you know I guess that's probably one of the main industries, and then all the ancillary stuff of having people live here. So um from mountain biking point of view it's probably the best mountain biking city in australia because we've got our main mountain bike parks um we've got probably 60 kilometers of single track within 10 minute drive of the center of the city so wow that makes and then and the whole pile more just a bit further out so i think we've got about 150k and i think you know, most of the stats seems to be that there's somewhere around about five or 6,000 mountain bikers in Canberra. So it's a pretty big thing. Yeah, wow, that's cool. And it's nice that it's so close to the city because you can then go after work or, you know, you could even possibly go out for a long lunch break or something and go on your bike, and that makes a big difference. Yeah, and look, there's also, um, there's a lot of, tr- Canberra's got a lot of bike paths, so it's quite easy to get around. And there's a lot of green space and like I can um, it's probably a 10 minute drive to my local to our main bike park or I can jump on my bike from home head off across a, um, across one road across a paddock onto some bush trails and basically ride out there um, so there's there's a lot of options for riding here um, and look it's good for us because a lot of mountain bike businesses are in very touristy areas with you know very seasonal and people coming and going whereas we do a lot of instruction um you know massive junior programs and all that sort of stuff because we've got a big population of riders that are here so that makes life a bit a bit easier where all the others are suffering with tourism we're sort of we seem to be coming back pretty quickly Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool, and that's good. We'll we'll get into. You have a couple of businesses going there. One called We Ride Mountain Bikes, which I actually got to know about through Ram. That was that was on the show from Nepal, and uh, then another one called Dynamic Motivation, which is more about MTB skills and uh, development and stuff like that. But the the We Ride Mountain Bikes, yeah, I got to know about that through Ram, and I'd, I'd seen you had done a trip with Ram. How was that in Nepal? Yeah, well, Ram's Ram's awesome. Like, if anyone's going to Nepal, you've just got a book with Ram. Um, he's just such a great guy. Um, so, yeah, the, look, business-wise, we had the dynamic motivation first, and our marketing guy came up with a concept of build a tribe and get people that like you before you try and sell them, sell them stuff. And so we started a Facebook group that we called We Ride Mountain Bikes, and it's now – 21,000 people in 100 countries so it's just gone insane and it's probably one of the biggest forums out there and i think the key thing is we moderate it pretty well you know we don't we don't allow advertising in it we um 
anybody that's you know inappropriate behavior inappropriate language or spamming the group just gets banned straight away um and we've got this really good group of fun police now that will you know tag stuff that's inappropriate really fast so we managed to keep it at a really family friendly you know no trolls it's it's quite a good group and i think um and we try and put content up most days if we can um mm -hmm. that gives you know that gets things started but it's just it's got a life of its own it's just massive um i think it's seven and a half thousand posts and replies a month or something mm -hmm. um so yeah wow. it's just it's it's a great group yeah yeah and it's cool and you know that's you've built that there for the community and you've built a community around it but you do you know day rides and trips and you've got the travel travel club and stuff in there um can you tell us a wee bit about what you do as far as the traveling thing goes because i know you've been to derby and and you've done the nelson and new zealand and things like that tell us a wee bit about that because it's very interesting yeah so the the concept behind it was when we started yeah, the idea of it was originally was, you know, yes, give a bit back to the community and stuff like that and provide some services, but it was also kind of an advertising medium for our business in Canberra. And clearly, you know, with that number of people all over the world, you know, 90% of the group's probably never going to come to Canberra, although we've got we've got a lot of them are in Australia. Um, mm -hmm. And then we thought about, well, let's take advantage of it and go to other places. So... The concept of the travel club was that we we charged a monthly subscription, which wasn't particularly much, but we made our profit out of that rather than out of the trips that we run. And so the idea being, rather than me running a trip and having to make margin on it and having to run a trip that's highly profitable, I can just run a trip that's fun. And I run the trip at pretty much cost, um, so people get really good value trips and I make some revenue in the back end out of the fact that people subscribe to be part of that group, if that makes sense. And that mm -hmm. we sort of ran it for about a year and it was starting to grow. We've done the Nepal trip with Ram, which was amazing. We've done a trip to Nelson in New Zealand, which is really good. We do some derby ones in Australia. I think we've done three or four of those now. Um, we do some local weekend stuff and some coaching and bits and pieces to make it worthwhile. And it was starting to grow and starting to kick off. Um, we've kind of suspended operations of that with the whole coronavirus thing because we're not really sure what or when we'll be able to do that again. So we've kind of pulled it back um, and restructuring it a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, was a good, it was a good approach. And, you know, the idea was we, we bring people and we partner up with organizations in different places like derby we, we kind of run ourselves a bit because it's in australia but mm. nelson and and the nepal you know nepal we partnered up with ram and it was a case of okay well we'll bring you know 10 people over um give us a give us a good package and then because a few of us are pretty into a, into filming we also film it and create a mini documentary on it which then goes out on to we ride mountain bikes to 20,000 people so you know the the companies we work with get the benefit of um of us taking trips over but also they get some advertising into the wider group um mm. it's all about collaboration and just you know helping each other out as much as we can 
Yeah, for sure. And Ram just <clears throat> is an amazing guy. You know, just chatting to him for an hour and a bit. Um, just how friendly that fella is and, you know, how how motivated and just passionate he is about what he does. It's amazing to hear that in somebody. Oh, yeah, he is just amazing. And and look, like I say, I've, he's probably one of the best guides I've ever worked with. Like, you go over there and, you know, he's the sort of person you'll be, you'll be walking into a tea house and wondering how you get something and he'll be behind you already ordering it, you know. He's just, <laughs> like, everything is done for you and, yeah, he just looks after everyone really well and, you know, he's got contingency plans and, you know, when things don't go well, then there's always a way around it, which is important in Nepal because nothing ever goes well. Um, mm. You know, you'd be driving along in the bus to get out there and somebody's decided that today's the day they're going to fix the road. So there's a crew of people there and the bus just parks there for three hours. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, okay, yeah. It's crazy. So... Um, and he's just, he's always got a, an answer and he's always got a contingency. So, yeah, it's awesome. And he looks Amazing. after his guys really well. Yeah, and no, I really love working with him. Yeah, cool, man, cool. I definitely have to go out and visit him for sure in my world, my my MTB Tribe podcast world tour because uh, that's the way it's going at the minute. <laughs> yeah, we, we were going to run another trip, you know, September this year, but, or, or sorry, November this year, but... I'm not sure that that's going to be able to happen at this stage with the restrictions, so we'll probably pump it back to next year. But, yeah, it's it's definitely – and Nepal's amazing, right? The, the riding there is just so good. It's mm-hmm. just – yeah, it's just great. Yeah, so it's it. amazing. Uh, tell us a little bit about Nelson because I had – Cam on the show from the New Zealand mountain bike magazine. Um, it's going out in a couple of, I've got it recorded. It'll be out in a couple of weeks um, before this episode probably, Mick. Um, so anybody that's listening to this will be able to go back a couple of weeks and listen to it. But New Zealand just sounds amazing. Like it just, everything there just, they, they seem to have it all, right? They have surf, they have snowboarding, they have mountain biking, they have good roads, like, what is that place like? Uh, yeah, New Zealand is New Zealand is a place where they've just they've got a lot of really great natural resources, and they've just super embraced tourism and adventure tourism. They they've just you know they've just really jumped on the whole adventure tourism thing so well, um, and and they've got some great destinations. So. You know, I've, I've done a few trips over there. I've done a couple running instructor courses where I sort of rode a few different destinations. We ran Nelson. Um, I did an EWS, which was the hardest thing I've ever done over <laughs> up in Rotorua stage. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of – I guess it's just it's, it's that sort of country where it's beautiful outdoors and they've just super embraced tourism. Um, yeah, it used to be really cowboy, but they, they've sort of – um, a whole lot of restrictions have come around and, you know, the standards of everything's come up and it's, but yeah, it's just, it's a great place to go and do that. Um, mm-hmm. Australia's never really done it. Like it's, Australia's got the, but it's just never, you know, they've just never em- embraced the adventure tourism. Well, in some places, you know, in Tasmania in Northern Territory and some of those places they have, but a lot of mainline, main Australia, they just never really embraced that adventure tourism, you know, which is a bit of a pity. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And like, what's the what's the community like there in New Zealand? Because it seems to be quite a nice, knit, tight community of bikers there. I think it's like everywhere. Mountain bikers are mountain bikers. You know, everybody's mm. pretty. You know, New Zealand is great for Australia because the culture between the two is so similar. You know, and the sense of humour and the way people hang out and the the lifestyles and so yeah, for Australians going over there and you know there's there was always the jokes for you know with the New Zealanders coming to Australia for work that you know we're the last person out of New Zealand please turn the lights off sort of thing and <laughs> you know New Zealand and Australians are you know like they're always you know bagging each other out and it's it's a really great fit between the two countries you know mm-hmm. so and it's it's easy for us um, because it's the the flights were pretty cheap and it was quite accessible to get over there and they had some great bike parks um we're sort of we're getting more in australia now which is i think gonna keep a few more people here but yeah they've they've got some great destinations like nelson is was one of the best places i've ever ridden uh we did a partnered up with gravity nelson over there and um they organized everything for us and there's there's a bike park called Wairoa Gorge and it was actually built by this billionaire guy apparently he owns a number around the world and it was just for him and his mates to helicopter in and ride when they wanted to um and we're talking 70 kilometers of single track and a thousand meters of vertical elevation what Um, this is a nuts bike park and a couple of years ago he decided he didn't need it anymore and he gave it back to New Zealand government and a club sort of run, working out how to run it and stuff at the moment and gravity nelson's got concessions in there so we went in and we rode you know there was a group of eight of us and we had this whole bike park to ourselves for three days um and it's just some of the best gnarliest riding i've done in ages it was really good um you know they don't they don't know how to grade trails over there their greens would be our double blacks but it was <laughs> uh, it was it was just incredible so, yeah, it, it's a great destination, and it's probably not as touristy and not as, um, you know, you, you hear about Queenstown. Um, Queenstown's got some great riding, but it's kind of an, an overdone backpacker place from my point of view. You know, it's a bit too commercialised. Um, Rotorua is really nice, and Nelson's that, you know, it's that country town with great bike riding, you know, and really cool people. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. We're definitely going back out there yeah yeah cool man it, it sounds amazing and your background in mountain biking mick is you've done a lot of stuff you've raced xc you've raced downhill you've done mountain cross 24 hour solo rides like, man you've done a lot like when when did you initially get interested in mountain biking so i've always kind of been into adventure sport stuff and uh, my wife and i always We'll get started going out. We're doing a bit of guiding, you know, climbing and sea kayaking and all that sort of stuff. And I'd ridden bikes when I was younger. And we got married and I actually got sick. So our honeymoon got cancelled. We had a bit of money left over. So we went and bought two two mountain bikes. And that was in 1989, I think. And I started racing back then because, you know, the only way you got to ride venues or meet other people was at races. And so you know, mountain biking was all about racing and I've did trials and downhill and cross country and like just 
everything on and off over the years. Um, and then, you know, ended up coaching and stuff like that. And then we started the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've done a heap of racing. I've lost the racing focus a fair bit. And, in fact, we don't we don't have a big racing focus in our programs anymore because it's, I think, from a junior development point of view, I think that um, kids' sport becomes super competitive really, really young and the kids all either become a great athlete or they burn out um, and don't want to do it, whereas mountain biking has become so much more of a participation sport now. You know, it's about getting out and riding with your mates and having fun and, yeah, we're trying to bring that through our junior programs and provide pathways for them to come and be instructors. And, you know, we're getting a lot more attention and a lot more longevity and kids staying in the sport and growing the sport. So, you know, I still I still race and I still get the shits when I don't do well, but um, I kind of, yeah, I'm trying to sort of get out of that side of it and just enjoying the travelling and riding and free ride stuff a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's a hard thing with the kids because – if they're really good, obviously you want to push them to do better. But sometimes when you just put that whole competitive thing onto kids, uh, they lose they lose interest. It's not why they're doing it at the end of the day, you know. Yeah, well, look, creating a great athletes, you know, coaches and that will come up with bullshit about their their specific training and that. But most cases, um, in sports, the great athletes, a lot of them come from programs that are based around attrition. You know, you look at Australian swimming and stuff. We've got so many, such a big swimming program that we produce great swimmers. But we produce, yes, we've got good coaches, but, you know, when you've got 10,000 five-year-olds swimming laps every day, then they you just make it harder and harder and harder and they gradually burn out. And by the time they're 20, there's three of them left and they're world champions, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've the same with mountain biking. When, when we started the programs, we were a lot more, you know, we had a race team, which we still do, but, you know, a lot more of it was based around racing and stuff and the riding was training for racing. And then as the kids get to be 15, 16, they realise they're not going to be the world champion and all their time's been slogging on the bike to, to be the best and they're not really enjoying it. Whereas now our focus is on free ride and we've still got a team that we sponsor, but once again, it's more about being role models and being good riders and going on to be instructors rather than rather than winning races and you know the kids that the kids that are good will still race and they'll still do well and we still have programs you know we'll still look after them but we're just trying to make sure we don't do it at the you know at the cost of all the other kids in the Mm -hmm. program Mm -hmm. um and and look it's working for us we've had um the coronavirus stuff here the restrictions got eased on last friday night and we were told we could have um, groups of up to 10 so uh, we always run like a six to one ratio anyway so we can have lots of them we put our program starting next sunday up on the website on monday night and we've got 130 kids enrolled so far in three days and waiting lists so you know yes yeah, that's nuts the, the that's program, nuts um yeah and it's you know, like we've got some that race and, you know, we're, we're tending to race enduro now because it's a more chilled out atmosphere and a better and more fun sport. And the kids can go ride around all day and trash talk each other and race their downs. But it's, you know, it's just it's all about them hanging out, riding with their mates, making friendships, 
you know, doing all that sort of stuff. And it's that's what grows the sport. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got a pathway from to come and be instructors as they get older. And, you know, of the 120 kids, like all of them could potentially do that. But if you're trying to produce a good racer, you know, maybe one or two of them would go on to be good racers. Well, what do you do for everybody else? Yeah. You know? Yeah, makes so, sense. Makes sense. It's a, better, it's a better direction to go, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny, though, because I've got such a racing background, you know, I will we'll turn up at an event and I'll give everybody the, look, guys, you're just here to have fun. You know, the results don't matter. You know, we just, like, chill out, enjoy yourself. And my wife just laughs at me and, like, you know, when did you ever work that out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, well, it's funny. Yeah. But, like, what's the scene like there, Mike? Do you have lots of – you? well, you obviously have lots of kids wanting to mountain bike when you have those numbers wanting to enroll. But generally, what's the scene like? Have you seen it getting much popular there over the years? Uh, it, it's – yeah, look, in Australia, it's growing massively. Um, I believe it's the fastest-growing participation sport in Australia at the moment. Um, and it's supposed to be like the, you know – fifth or sixth biggest it's it's just getting huge um you know from when i started you know there was there was back in the day there was probably 100 mountain bikers in canberra you know mm. um and now there's 5000 you know um but interestingly races attract about the same you know you they run a cross country race back in the day and everybody would turn up you run a cross country race at the club now and there's there's still probably only 100 or 150 turn up you know, mm-hmm. most people are about riding and having fun. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's it's all about riding with your mates and just, you know, it's just getting bigger and bigger and, you know, the tracks are getting better and obviously the bikes are so much better, you know. I've mm-hmm. gone from fully rigid, chrome molly, you know, not even V-brakes, just cantilever brakes and <laughs> stuff like that and apparently riding a Rocky Mountain Slayer with 170 miller travel front and rear and, you know, and it still doesn't weigh any more than my old one, Chrome Molly, you know. Yeah, so those, those Rocky Mountains just look amazing. They're a lovely looking bike. Mm. Yeah, very so, nice. Yeah, sort of, you know, it's just, it's just becoming so much more accessible and, you know, there's just so much more opportunity, I think. And as there's more bike parks coming up, people are starting to travel and, you know, people are getting more into it and it's becoming family holidays and, you know, we're getting a lot more families coming down and, you know, it used to be the guys that ride. And, you know, if, if the guy rides, then the guy rides. If the wife rides, then the whole family rides, you know. And right, just, okay. Just growing so much. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, do you see or do you find that the kids you're getting there that are interested in biking, do they come from a family that bikes, you know, just the dad and the mum bike and stuff like that? Or or does it not really matter? Is it a, a bit of a mixed bunch? It, it's both. Um, we've got a lot that come from families that ride. Interestingly, we're, it used to, it's always been more boys than girls, um, but we're getting a lot more young girls coming in, and I think it's a bit... Um, the girls that aren't coming, aren't coming from a mountain bike family don't seem as likely to take it up. And whereas boys will get a bike and then they'll come and go mountain biking. Um, and so you'll have, you know, boys whose parents don't necessarily ride. But as we're getting more mountain bikers having kids 
and they're getting their girls into the sport, we're getting a whole pile of more, you know, younger girls coming along and riding, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're starting to, you know, get more, a lot more demand with that area, which is, which is great. And they seem to be staying with it because they're meeting friends and they're, you know, it, it's all about having someone to hang out with and come to the program with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's but, cool, man. I think, mm. Like I, th- I know, I know back home where there's quite a lot of surf instructing schools and things like that over the summer. The parents just come and they just want to dump kids off for a day, you know. And uh, I remember a funny story of one of the instructors telling me that the the beach they they had to postpone it that morning because the beach was just full of jellyfish. You couldn't you couldn't go in the water, and there was only so much you can do on the beach. You know, the kids want to go in the water at the end of the day, but the parents were coming up and just saying, look, can you just not make them run up and down the beach for a few hours or let them go and climb in those rocks or something? We just kind of want to get rid of them. Do you find that in the mountain bike thing? Or is it more, are the families just wanting rid of the kids for a while or are they more involved? No, no, I think they're more involved. The kids, because either the kids are super keen and they want to come and ride and the parents are dropping them off or the parents are going out riding themselves. Um, I had one there, a, couple of comments the other week because during our daylight savings we run a wednesday night program and there's a cafe out at stromlo at our main bike park as well and a couple of the dads came over to me and they said you guys have got the best program ever because we come out here we drop the kids off we go for a ride we come back to the cafe we have a couple of beers we pick the kids up and we still get the brownie points for looking after the kids on a wednesday night (laughs) so it's it's pretty funny yeah it's cool man it's cool now let's chat a little bit about your qualifications for what you do there because i know you're very very heavily qualified um you seem to have every qualification under the sun there i'll not go through them because there's a lot of letters uh is that something that you actively wanted to do or are you are you kind of overqualified for what you need there? But you seem to do a lot of stuff like that and really enjoy that kind of thing. Yeah, not really. I think um, it kind of happened as it, as the world evolved a bit. Like um, when my daughter was younger, I was running a personal training business for a little while. You know, my background was working in IT and you know, I took some time off and did stay home and dad and ran a personal training business. And when I started this business full time, I actually was, uh, we had a gym and we were starting up doing personal training with some mountain biking on the side. Mm-hmm. And it took us a couple of years to realize that we're sinking all this money into advertising for the gym and the mountain biking was booming and we were actually a mountain bike company that owned a gym. And mm. so we got rid of the gym. Um, the The qualifications in Australia under Mountain Bike Australia were very um, sports conditioning, you know, if you look at the difference between coaching and instructing you know they were very sports conditioning for cross-country racing focused which is a really small market and i did that stuff and i did the uci stuff and it's great if you care about vo2 max figures and stuff but at the end of the day i don't use that very much anymore you know it's like most people don't need it um Mm. and the the main one that we teach which is kind of seems to be coming pretty much the world standard is pmbi it's come out of canada um and it's come out of the ski snowboard industry. So it's got a really, really good skills methodology. Um, so I went through and 
um, did that sort of probably nine years ago and did my level one, my level two, and, you know, got to know the guys that owned it, ran it pretty well and ended up doing the instructor trainer. So, like, I do a bit of instructor training in Australia for them as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they often send people out here as well. Um, but there's a, there's a couple of us out here now that can do it, um, that can teach level ones and stuff. So that's kind of what we've based our program on. Um, the good thing about it is it's becoming a bit of an industry standard. So it means, you know, we've still got people that teach their own stuff, obviously. But the thing is, if you if you do something under a standard, then people can come and do a lesson with us. And then, you know, if they go down to Derby, for instance, for a holiday or Medina or in Tasmania, and they want to get a lesson down there, then if the guys down there are also PMBI, at least the language and the, the way things are put together are sort of similar, mm -hmm. you know, and the mm -hmm. methodology, you know, yes, you can still get, you know, more experienced and less in experienced instructors, but at, at least the fundamental methodology should be the same. Um, and the same, you know, a lot of Australians go to Whistler and places like that for holidays. They can go over there and get a lesson and, you know, and it follows the same pattern and it and it means for us like all our instructors going through that it means that you know i should be able to pick any of our instructors and say hey go teach this person how to do a front wheel lift and the language will be pretty much the same and the way they teach will be pretty much the same and you know um you know we've obviously we've got curriculums based around it but at least it's it gives you that basis so that's why we've kind of gone that way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense because if if you're getting I suppose a, a lesson here and then a lesson somewhere else and the kind of the instructors are kind of contradicting how they're teaching you or what they're saying the best technique is then it, it confuses you and I suppose I never even thought of it like that I suppose that standard is very very handy then yeah look we've got companies um here and elsewhere that I know of that you know the instructors within the, within the same company can contradict each other you know um mm -hmm. With, with us, one of the things we needed very early with this, because our junior program's so big, you know, we've got, like, our Wednesday night daylight savings program, we had 85 kids and, like, 14 instructors out there. So we've got everything from six-year-olds learning how to ride bike to, you know, 16-year-olds that are doing, you know, four-metre gap jumps, mm. right, five-metre gap jumps. And the thing is we've also got a range of different experienced instructors so we've got instructors that are, you know, they're not, they're only intermediate riders. They're never going to be um, teaching at really high level, but they love teaching the little kids how to ride bikes, right? And they do an amazing job of that and they can teach to a certain standard. And then when the kids get to the stage where they need to move on, we can move them on to more experienced instructors. But the language that's used and the methodology and everything is consistent all the way through the program. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we've got our own grading systems and curriculums and stuff that we work with, but it's fundamentally the same. You know, you the kids can the kids will come and ride with us every week for ten years and continue to develop, and then go through and become instructors themselves, and then come back and start teaching again. And and it just gives you a really nice level of consistency through the program. Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and are you finding that more popular are guys coming to you wanting to be you know taught how to be instructors is that is that a big part of your business yeah i think it is because if they we, we run school holiday programs um and that's now pretty getting really big for us um like a couple of years ago we get 
we'd run two days in the school holidays and we'd get 20, you know, 10 or 15 kids. Now we'll run, you know, two weeks of school holidays, we'll run 10 days and we'll get 35 kids every day. Mm. Um, and for, for us, when the kids are 15, they can come and volunteer and help out and they don't really count. They're just getting some experience at 16. They can be a, do a PMBI instructor course and then we'll, take them on as a trainee and pair them up with other instructors for a year and you know when they're 17 and they're starting to and, and you know we're comfortable they can run their own groups then they start getting their own groups and what that means is the younger kids are being taught by you know 18 19 year olds who they really look up to and relate to as opposed to like a 30 year old that they don't really relate to sort of thing mm-hmm. and um and it, but it also means that you know, those kids in school and at uni and stuff like that, you know, they they can earn, you know, if they do every program that we run, they could probably earn 10 grand a year while they're at school, right? Mm, and wow. you know, what, what's their choice? They go flip burgers at McDonald's or something or work in a cafe or they teach kids how to ride bikes, you know? Um, they'd much rather teach kids to ride bikes. Yeah, so, very appealing. You know, and, and we've started a bit of a precedence now where, you know, we had one of our guys going working Whistler for a season on his gap year. And we had two that had lined up jobs this year, but they're stuck at home with their parents because of the COVID stuff. So they're not, mm. not the greatest gap ever. Um, but, you know, we've got 10-year-olds whose plan in riding is to come and keep getting better and get onto our team and be an instructor and go and work in Whistler, right? So it's it's much, much more attainable than, you know, I'm going to be the world champion. You know, because mm-hmm. only one person is going to do that, whereas they can all come and work. Um, and as our as we're getting our programs expand, we're getting more kids in at the bottom end, but we're getting more instructors out at the top end. So we're kind of managing to cope with the growth, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you need new people coming and wanting to do it, just to so you have enough instructors for the amount of kids you're getting, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And look, we've got a number of. There's a number of um, older guys and adults and stuff, and we've got some school teachers that do it as well. So we've got that level of, you know, a bit of maturity in there as well. Um, and then we've got the the younger instructors coming through, and you know, they'll sort of work for us in their their final years of school and maybe into uni if they're in Canberra, or you know, some of them move away and go elsewhere, um, which is fine. So we sort of lose them out of the other end a bit at some point, um, mm-hmm. and. Um, we just got to keep replenishing the, the number of instructors that we, we have. So we just keep that constant training program going. And, yeah, it's working really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you ever find girls wanting to become coaches? Yeah, we've got four or five girls. Um, mm-hmm. My daughter, which is – my daughter's 24 now. She's one of our instructors. Um, we've got a couple of others that have come through the program um, that are teaching for us now. Uh, which is great because it's now allowing us um, – we had a a fairly advanced program on, on a Sunday morning and some of the sisters of the boys that were in it didn't want to ride in that program but they wanted their own. So we've started a Ride Like a Girl program. Um, so we've got, you know, three or four girl instructors running a girls program. Um, yeah, that's cool. Is, the, that and, the, is that the Ride Like a Girl one? Yeah, yeah. So the girls – so that we we started that last term to pilot it with about six girls, and I think we've got twelve or fourteen registered for this term. 
and um, you know the three main instructors are like seventeen to twenty-four. So mm-hmm. great, you know, and the girls think they're awesome. Yeah, yeah, um, it's cool that because talking talking to everybody I've had on the podcast and. It seems to be always the same way. The guys are always like, "I just do it, just go for it," you know. Send it, send it, send it. <laughs> Whereas oh. the girls obviously don't want to really start off like that, you know. The number of oh. girls that start mountain biking, dude, and their boyfriends have got them interested in it, and they have started on red trails. I even had a couple of girls on the podcast who are good racers now, and they they race EWS and stuff. But they started on downhill bikes. That was their first bike, a downhill bike. Like it's just crazy the way guys and boyfriends never throw these girls into the stuff. Like, yeah. So so we've got a lot of women that in Canberra and that that have started as they've been older, and they you know they, look we've got some great riders. I'm not putting anyone down. A lot of the older ones are a little bit more timid and stuff like that. Um, the and, you know, they, there's probably that little bit more stereotype of not being quite so gung-ho. We've got some, some younger ones that's boyfriends have got them into it that are, that are pretty crazy riders. But what we're finding now with the little girls coming through, um, they're, some of them are almost as hardcore as the boys. Like we've got a couple that are, you know, a couple of 11-year-old girls that are, you know, comfortable on double black and they'll push – they're as quick as the boys – yeah. Um, if not quicker, because um, it's probably it's probably around about twelve where the you know the puberty stuff happens and the boys suddenly get bigger and stronger. You mm. know, so up to sort of age, the girls are just as capable. Um, and you know, it's just a bit different attitude. And we're finding that as we're getting girls through, you know, when Peter first started the the girls program, they were a little bit like, oh yeah, we just want to go for a ride on the trails, and within three or four lessons they're like yeah can we go hit the jumps you know and mm. yeah next week the girls are turning up with you know body armor and full face helmets and going yeah we want to ride the black trails you know so yeah <laughs> i think it's that you know having some girls that can ride at a fairly good level um that are teaching and you know and having the younger girls just exposed to it then you know they're they're kind of there's some I think there's going to be a lot more, a lot more hardcore girls coming through, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah. it, mm. very interesting. Now, um, as far as somebody wanting to go there and get a bit of training, um, you do different classes. You do beginner, intermediate. You do advanced, master class. You even do private lessons and stuff. Um, is that becoming more popular? Like a group of guys coming, three or four guys coming and wanting to get more advanced lessons. You know, are, are people wanting to? get better by taking lessons and doing skill stuff it's it's growing um it's really interesting like if people go skiing or snowboarding the first thing they do is go and get a lesson right it's just mm. what happened whereas mountain biking hasn't had that culture you know mountain biking's a lot more you know well i can ride a bike what do i need lessons for mm. um and we find that a lot of people you know their basics is are terrible but they all want to learn how to do the hard stuff you know, we've got a we got a whole series of free videos up. Our basic body position videos probably had 500 views, and our how to intro to jumps videos had like 8,000, right? Mm. But 99% of people that come on courses with us have terrible body position to start with, you mm. know. And it, it's that whole building on a decent foundation, you know, getting the basics solid. 
getting your body position and basic control on the bike right, and then everything builds from there. Um, and that's the stuff that people miss out on by not getting lessons. Um, quite often we'll get experienced riders will have got their mate that's starting mountain biking, so they'll send their mate along to do a course with us, and they'll come out of a five-week course and they'll be faster than their experienced friend, and then their friend will come and do something, mm-hmm. you know. So it's that the reverse you know, or they'll send their girlfriend along and their girlfriend will come back and be riding, you know, be cornering better than they are. And then they'll go and get lessons, you know. Um, so it's it's definitely changing. Um, it's growing. Um, kids are helping it, you know, because once again, the kids come out and, you know, there's not too many, even of the good riders in, the, in, in Canberra, whose kids come and do their programs, there's not too many that are faster their ki- than their kids once the kids get to be about 14. Wow. Um, you know, by then the kids are the kids are doing stuff that the parents can't do. So we do get, you know, we do, other than, you know, obviously we've got some really good riders, but, yeah, the, the kids are developing really fast and then their parents will come and come and do courses with us because they're like, well, we need to keep up with the kids now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy, man. You know, and it's <clears throat> it's like that whole thing. If you ask a professional, if you had a hundred bucks to spend on your bike or whatever, what would you do? And they, every one of them say, get a lesson. That's the yeah. best way you can improve. Not by getting yeah. new tires or by getting new handlebars. Get a lesson. It's very true. You're, you're back. Yeah, you know, when we started, and it was very XC focused. You know, everyone was like, oh, but you know, if I if I get this latest carbon whatever it is, it'll take, you know, three seconds off my time up the hill. And it's like, well, if you learn how to ride your bike, I'll take two minutes off your time down the hill. <laughs> but, yeah. you could, but, you could, but you couldn't sell it, right? You just couldn't sell it. Whereas now with more bike park sort of facilities and people getting all mountain bikes and enduro bikes and, you know, people want to really, you know, carve through the berms and they want to hit jumps and they want to do stuff, they're starting to understand that, you know, just getting some lessons. It's it's a small investment um, compared to this cost of a bike, and you get so much more out of it. Um, and, yeah, look, the message is getting out there. You know, it's growing. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure. And, and, like, when you see the kids coming along, what kind of bikes are the kids coming on? Are they coming on good standard mountain bikes and stuff? I take it they have to bring their own gear. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's... Canberra's a bit of a bike town and it's a fairly well-off community here, being a government town. And so the kids have generally got reasonable bikes. You know, you get, I guess they're starting at, you know, little 20-inch giant, you know, hardtail mountain bikes. Mm -hmm. um, And they work their way up. By the time, you know, most of our development squad kids are um, are probably riding, you know, $3,000-plus bikes. Wow. Um, and that's, but that's also getting to the stage that at that level, you know, the kids are the kids are riding double black. They're wanting to hit big jumps. They're, you know, I've got a ten year old that's comfortable on you know five six meter gaps and, um, you know, riding very comfortable on double black. And you know, you put them on a, you put them on a, you know, giant talon and it'll be wrecked in a week. So. Mm. You know, but once again, a number of those kids, they've been through programs on us. They started on on cheaper bikes and they've got to the points where the parents have gone, well, this is your main sport so you can have a good bike, mm-hmm. you know. 
Yeah, um, and and your development squad, Mike, is that for kids that are wanting to race or wanting to go to that next level or next level, I guess. So you know, we've got we run a we've basically split it into two chunks. So we've got the our junior mountain bike program, which is the biggest one, and that's like six year olds to fourteen year olds, and you know, it's teaching them how to ride, and we'll start on easy stuff, and they'll work up to the stage where. You know, some of the more advanced ones are, are riding some black sort of trails and stuff like that, whereas the de- development squad is more when they want to start hitting more jumps and they want to ride harder terrain and, you know, they want to race or they want to jump more and, you know, it's it's getting into the harder, more dangerous stuff um, and it's, you know, pretty much mandatory 90% of the t- – we do some fitness rides with them, but 90% of the time they're riding, it's like full face helmet and pads because you know they're going to do something dumb. <laughs> um, you know and they just want to go and huck off everything and you know it, it's great so yeah that's just that next level and once again the overlap there is you know i think the youngest we brought into the development squad was eight because he was faster than all the 14 year olds in the other program and we had to do that um and he was riding double black on a 20 inch hardtail you know um and then we get others that you know come in 13 14 um and then we've got a we've got a team that we sponsor that's got ten riders in it at the moment, and that's basically, you know, they they basically on sliding scale of what they pay, so basically get sort of free tuition as it were and training, and you know we add more gym stuff and that into there, and once again they do some racing, but it's it's more about being that role model and you know having somewhere that the kids want to be, mm-hmm. you know, so they keep progress, so yeah, and it's it's just part of that whole. You know, junior development's a lot more than riding bikes, right? It's There's a whole lot of personal development in it. So um, that's why we try and do it that way. Yeah. And it's beautiful seeing that because, you know, you were talking earlier about the enduro thing and how it's more social and, and it's better for the kids that way. And with so many computer games and everything nowadays and phones, it's really nice to see these kids getting together in the outdoors in a nice, healthy environment. Like, that's something you don't hear every day. Yeah, well, we run a – we normally – we had to cancel this year's with bushfires and things, but we normally run a four-day camp um, down at Jindabyne south of here um, over the Christmas holidays. And the amount of parents that are like, oh, we don't know if, how they'll cope with being without their their computer games and that, and we take their phones off them at the beginning. It's like, oh, Really, really? Night, well done. If you need your phone at night to call your parents, then that's fine. You can come and see us. But no phones, no electronic devices – um we're riding bikes where you know old style wide games playing spotlight at night um you know go down the lake for a swim um i've got a um australian kelpie uh, which is basically a sheepdog he, he's down there chasing kids all day you know so they play with the dog and they ride bikes and they you know they play spotlighting at night and they sit down and play cards in between and the kids love it you know no electronics for four days, and they don't miss it. You know, we get we get phone calls from parents on the the third night, going, "We haven't heard from such and such. Is is he okay?" And I'm like, yeah, "He's just forgotten you exist. Don't worry about it." You know, <laughs> you know, there's parents that are expecting to get calls every day because their kids are going to be nervous. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just, you know, kids 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 thrive when you take some of that stuff away sometimes. You know? Yeah, awesome, awesome. And if they have two wheels to ride on, it makes it all that much better. Yeah, yeah. It's just, 
it's just a great great way to do it um, yeah cool cool well listen mike is there anything uh before i let you go there because uh, i know it's later with you um uh, is there anything you've planned in the near future that you can tell us about as far as the the trips with we ride mountain bikes or the dynamic motivation is there anything you're trying to plan for the near future uh, look at the moment we're just trying to get up and running after the the coronavirus stuff i guess we've got um we also run the shuttle bus service at the main bike park, park in canberra so we've got the you know we're starting our junior programs and we're starting the coaching back literally we got the we got the go ahead to do it again last friday so you know we're just starting to get that back up over the next couple of days over the next weekend and you know we've been a bit smashed with that we're still we're still not sure what the go is with being able to have carry people on a bus so that's that's the mm. next one we get a lot of tourists from sydney and that coming down to ride on the shuttle bus for the day um because it's one of the only uplifted areas in new south wales um so they're kind of you know we're getting a lot of inquiries that'll be the next one back and then i guess trips will you know we'll probably start running some more local stuff and just see what happens with the the world like we had a we were looking at some south america trips we were looking at you know some canada trips um all sorts of trips we had on the cards that we were going to try and run but it all just shut down basically um and i think the i i have a feeling that global travel is going to be a bit slow you know like mm. australia's australia's quite isolated it's you know we've got things fairly under control here we never really got hit that badly um and i think you know they're going to be it's going to be 18 months before it's easy for australians to freely travel or for people to freely come here necessarily so i think you know we're kind of focusing on our on our local patch and getting that all back up and running first and then we'll just see what happens yeah yeah good plan man good plan well you seem to be super busy even a couple of days and all those kids wanting to enroll so you're it's not like you're going to be struggling to do stuff <laughs> no no and look we you know over the break we put a heap of you know we've got a heap of free video skills content so there's stuff on our website now so there's like 20 skills lessons up on the website now um and other stuff so you know we, we've been building that and you know just just building more of a following so yeah we'll continue to grow the community and we'll continue to 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 do the normal stuff we've been doing with it and yeah trips will start to come as as we can do that cool man cool now where can people best find what you're doing there make and get in contact and stuff um dynamicmotivation.com.au is the is the core where everything sort of comes from from the website um yeah we've got a we've got a youtube channel now um dynamic motivation we ride mountain bikes um facebook there's the we ride mountain bikes facebook group um yeah that's that's kind of the best ways to connect with us um it's um yeah cool cool and it's yourself and your wife that do most of all that stuff uh and a daughter it's, it's the three of us full time in it now so yeah it's pretty cool it's a family excellent. business excellent well mike listen thanks so much for coming on and, and filling us in um i think you're the first person from australia i've had on the show i've had 
Simon Black on this show, but he's mainly based in Kenya now. He's leading up kind of yeah. the development there. Uh, so I think you're the first Australian on the show, bro. Awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to add Australia to your places to come and visit. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things when you have a podcast and you speak to so many people uh, and the, the mountain bike community is so friendly that you're, you're always getting invites. Come out and stay with us. You know, if you're around this, come out, you'll have free accommodation and stuff. And as I was saying earlier, man, I have to do a world tour now. It's just the excuse I have to do it because I don't have to pay for accommodation anywhere. <laughs> well, we run right. bikes is the same, right? Like for, for places to run trips, the amount of, you know, everyone's, we get a, get a few tour companies that just jump on the group and try and spam advertise it, but you know most of them are pretty chilled about it. And you know if 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 you do it right, with that you you can get some advertise like Rams the classic. You know he's posting photos in Nepal all the time, and he's not blatantly advertising and breaking rules, and he's contributing to the group, and we're happy for him to do that. So we've got a number of people doing that, but. You know, the amount of tour providers from around the world that have contacted and said, well, can you run a trip here? Can you run a trip here? It's just huge. And then, you know, people, like I say, we've got people in 100 countries and they're always posting videos and photos of their rides. And it's like, oh, I want to go and ride there. And I want, mm. it's like, I could spend the rest of my life just traveling around riding bikes. And yeah, unfortunately, I need to win Lotto to be able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. Eh? That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah awesome man well listen good luck for 2020 i hope things kick in there pretty soon for you and uh you have the season uh is your season full is it all year there mick or how, how does that work with the climate and stuff yeah yeah canberra is pretty year round it's it, it's really hot in summer and it's really cold in winter but it doesn't actually normally snow here and you get a lot of you know nice clear days and it might be you know a maximum of like three degrees but you can still ride um mm -hmm. so we're we actually aren't too seasonal um we're we're finding we're getting more busy year round um so that's pretty good whereas you know i've got friends in other places that are more tourist areas and you know they've got a really really busy summer period and they're quiet and you know or during the winter it snows and you know like threadbow here it's got a great bike park, but it's only open five months of the year. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Whereas, yeah, here you can ride all year round. Yeah. Would you um, get much rain there, Mick? Or? We've not really. Um, and look, our main park at Stromlow handles quite a lot of rain. So, you know, Sydney will be washed out and you can still come here and ride. Um, we've, I think in the last 12 months, we've probably had, half a dozen weekends that we didn't run if that because of mm -hmm. the weather um we got really smashed with the we didn't really have we had the bushfires close but they didn't get us it was more the smoke you know we, we had a patch where canberra had the worst smoke quality uh, the worst air quality of any city in the world wow. for a couple of weeks um just because you know you walk out the front door and you couldn't see across the street for the smoke um oh, but that that's you know, that's the first time I've ever known that happen. But, you know, from a weather point of view, you know, we we generally get away with it pretty well. You know, we don't have to cancel a lot. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, mm. good stuff. Well, good luck, mate. I hope everything goes well for 2020. And uh, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your story and stuff and what you're getting up to there. It's very exciting. I love what you're doing with the, the junior development things and stuff. And I think 
more places need to look at what you're doing there and maybe try and copy you a bit because I think we need more of that in the sport to keep it healthy, you know. Yeah, look, if people are interested, they can always contact us. Like we've we've sort of helped out some other other companies around around Australia as well because like we've been doing it for a long time now, and I think yeah, I think some of the some of the lessons learned have been have been really good, and it's just it's just about you know building the programs and taking some time and. You know, I see people trying to rush into it and try and build really quickly without having the base, and you know, then you run out of instructors, and you know, it all, it's it's hard. You know, you've got to you've got to kind of grow it organically almost. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, th- thanks for inviting me on. Awesome, good to good to talk to everybody. Yeah, you're more than welcome, mate. You're more than welcome. Good luck for the rest of the year. Yeah, thanks heaps, and um, yeah, talk to you soon. That's a wrap for episode 142. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. And Mick, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and filling us in what you're doing there. And uh, it is amazing to see that you're doing so much stuff with the junior riders. And we all should be looking at that, to be honest. We all should be looking at doing something like that, getting more juniors involved and offering such a high level of coaching and skills classes. Uh, It does sound amazing. So, Good luck with 2020. I know it started off slow for you, but hopefully with the restrictions being lifted, things can get back up to speed and you guys can get all those kids through your classes. Now, if you want to know more about Mick, about dynamic motivation, about We Ride Mountain Bikes, just simply go to the show notes, mtb-tribe.com. You'll get info there. You'll get a little bit more background on what we chat about on the podcast you'll get all mix links there easy quick links that will take you to mix pages so you can find out a little more and get involved now if you're enjoying the show folks and you want to help the show the best way is simply by subscribing rating and reviewing us on apple podcasts it helps spread the good word about the show to more people and helps us out with apple's algorithms Now, if you're not on Apple, you can also find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean and all other good podcast platforms out there. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every show. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show and a short synopsis of who's coming on the show that week. You can also get involved on social media at mtbtribe on Instagram and Facebook. Take screenshots and help share the show. Please share it with friends, share it with family, let anybody you know that would be interested in the podcast about it and we can get more listeners here and get more people off the sofa and onto the saddles and that's what the show's all about. But the show grows organically so without your help I can't do it. So please, please, please share with friends and stuff. I really do appreciate all your help and all your support. Now, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do that via email, info at mtb-tribe.com or simply PM me on socials. I will get back to you. I do read all the messages. So if there's anybody you want on the show or a topic covered, just please let me know and I will do my best to make that happen for you. So thanks so much for joining us this week, folks. I do appreciate all your help and support with the show. And until next week, stay safe in the trails, but stay MTB stoked.